and welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast, and speaking of music, that song that played me in is entitled Cave and In. It is from the New Graves album, Gary Owens, I Have Some Thoughts, that is going to be released June 30th on Perpetual Doom, the label, obviously, being Perpetual Doom. And usually the person who plays the song that is the intro to the show is my guest. But today... My guest is Lou Cristillo, who is the founder and runs the label Perpetual Doom. Perpetual Doom is easily my favorite, truly independent label. Uh, they, God, there's just, I, I don't even, like, every time, I mention them all the time and I plug them all the time on the podcast. You probably are aware of that if you're a regular listener. I... When I go to like say who their great artists are, I get overwhelmed and I can't think. But Kyle Field of Little Wings, Lee Baggett, uh, to name two. And of course, one of my all-time favorites, Ryan Sambal, formerly of the Strange Boys. Also, uh, we discuss it. Ryan Sambal has a book out uh, that Perpetual Doom released of his lyrics. A great lyricist. We talk about all this in the show. But uh, all things Perpetual Doom are in the show notes, and they also have the Doom Preservation Society because they're a small label. They don't have the big bucks like some of those other guys. Uh, but uh, if you go to the Preservation Society, you could become... There's like a... You could join, you become a subscriber, and it helps keep this great, truly independent label going. Lou has incredible taste in music. We discuss all this in the conversation, but... I'm I you know I I met Lou via just asking for people to do the podcast early on in the the label's life and uh we we've, we've become good friends and I call him handsome Lou. I don't know where that why that started but he's handsome and his name is Lou so it makes sense. But again, all things are in the show notes for Perpetual Doom. Go to their website, go to the Bandcamp page and explore their music the music that he's released it's just it's an end it's a bounty of uh beautiful artists creating great music and i've had so many of the guests of his artists on his guests it's um and also lou directed a film that uh played at sundance and has is doing some other festivals and uh the link to the trailer for that is in the show notes it is called space happy phil thomas cat and the uncharted zone trailer or the trailer. I was <laughs> reading that, so I said trailer, but it's Uncharted Zone. Uh, I saw the film. Lou was kind enough to share it with me, and it is quite incredible. And here's another interesting, cool fact. This is my first episode fully recorded in St. Paul, Minnesota, where I now reside. I've moved back to the Midwest. I'm originally from Chicago, if you didn't know that. And, uh Yeah. I was kind of doing a lot of Patreon posts for the show and old stuff because this move was, uh, it was uh, quite the feat. I mean, I moved from California to Minnesota, over 2,000 miles, and uh, I don't even want to tell you how much I spent, and I don't have a job, so for me to spend it, quite the, uh, woo! (laughs) Speaking of not having a job, if you want to help... You could become a Patreon subscriber. You could go to themattdwyer.com. I post episodes early. You could have listened to this episode already. Uh, Bonus content, blogs, all kinds of stuff. 
So go to themattthewire.com, become a Patreon subscriber. You can find all my social media on there, everything you need to know. It's great. The show notes. Go to the show notes. Everything in the, that you need to know, everything we discuss in the episodes, in the show notes. And if you can't become a Patreon subscriber, just tell your friends about it, because word of mouth really helps. And I'll, I won't lie to you. Like, my during the pandemic, the podcast was really thriving, but then all these fucking asshole actors and famous people started doing podcasts because they were bored or their egos need to be satiated. And I, uh, I took a hit. I took a hit because of these greedy motherfuckers. I've been podcasting for 15 years. I deserve respect. God damn it, I deserve respect. Or not, really. We're all just human beings, absent of essence. We're just people, void of anything, and soon to be forgotten. Uh, speaking of soon to be forgotten, if we don't handle the climate crisis, we'll all be forgotten. And I produced an album with Sub Pop Records and Adam, filmmaker Adam McKay called The 11th Hour Songs for Climate Justice. The link for that is in the show notes. Great album, 20 songs. Everybody on the album has been a guest on the podcast with the exception of Moby. But uh, Fake Fruit, Death Valley, Girls, Cloud Nothings, Mud Honey, Shannon Lay, White Denim. The list goes on and on. It's a great album. All the proceeds go to the Climate Emergency Fund, and they fund activists to out there in the fields doing the, doing the good work. Because as I just saw a man speak the other day, like, we could talk all we want, but the ice is melting. Powerful words don't mean a thing. The ice is melting. Uh, I posted that on my Instagram, but I think it was in stories, so you probably it's gone now. Anyway... This has been a very long intro. I try to keep this brief. Real quick, if you need a website, go to the kellyrdewire.com. kellyrdewire.com. She does websites. She's my partner. Builds great websites. She does some biggies. Get out there. Get a website. That is it. Please go to the show notes. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please enjoy my conversation with Lou Cristello of Perpetual Doom. Okay. I feel like my life has been uh, chaotic ever since uh, 2019. Um, losing my job of 15 years. Then my wife got pregnant. And then days later, COVID hit. And we moved from where I felt, you know, most at peace to Brooklyn. Moved twice <laughs> now in Brooklyn. And, I, and I've just been miserable <laughs> here um, for a variety of reasons. But no, it's it's sunny out. The weather is beautiful, and uh, I'm I'm all about you know positive thinking these days and and manifesting, you know, positive change. So, 2023 is looking up. Positive <laughs> thinking takes work. Like that's like I know there's those Pollyannish people who are just like always gleeful, and I'm like, what is the dark undertone there? Because I don't believe those people who are like everything's great. I'm like. It's crumbling in your head, isn't it? It's like you're hanging on by a fucking thread. <laughs> minute to minute, that's what it's like in my head. <laughs> it's but, always about to crumble. <laughs> but we admit it. Like, that's, I think, healthier than pretending. 
we admit it. I, I admit it to you via text often. I'm like, Matt, like <laughs> I'm falling apart. How are you? <laughs> I, because I, we moved, I feel there's an optimism, but there's also an underlying, like, what if I don't get a job? Then what? Yeah. I always l- land on my feet somehow. I might have to do something awful for a while, but I don't know. I'm glad to be. That's the- exciting. Awful. We- like what? Like I'm th- like, like, Bank robbery. That's the type of awful I want to hear about. Yeah, I don't think I'll get yeah. there, though. There was a period when I first moved to L.A., there was a brief moment where I was like, I could rob that liquor store. <laughs> if you got a good plan, I'm not opposed. But, yeah, I mean, bartending, bartending is awful. Uh, I, yeah. would, I like that. I mean, it was great when I my body didn't hurt, but. I, th- you know, and I just don't have the patience to be like, give a shit. Like, I, oh, you don't have enough. You can't taste the gin. Go fuck yourself. Like, like that kind of like, for sure. Just, I can't deal with people. I don't want to deal with people. <laughs> no. And then that's where I'm at. So two points. My, my, one of my best buddies has been sober for like 15 years probably. And he's a bartender and he's managed to have no issue doing it. Um, and in terms of taking on, you know, gross work again, to me, that's like corporate world. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like it, it broke me. I, I don't know that I can ever return to that. Um, I've been thinking about it because I have a family to support, but man, it like just, it's PTSD and it fills me with terrible fear. Um, and the alternative to that, and, and, and I find it more enticing, is just a really just kind of mundane, simplistic job where maybe I can fall in love with people again. And, and, and that could be bagging groceries, you know, just short interactions with people, getting reacquainted with the world and, and saying, you know, it's not so bad out there. Yeah, I'm just I think the goal is whatever I do, make enough money so I can take care of everybody. But like to not give up my goals and my creativity, which is what I did for a period of time. And it, that really, which was a corporate job, like you said, and it just fucking, I couldn't deal with the people because, you know, I, I, when I had this job, my thought was, Oh, now I know why people go home and drink themselves into oblivion and hit their kids because I was that miserable that I was struggling not to release it onto others. Well, you lose, I think you lose a sense of purpose, right? Just doing that grind every day and it becomes yeah. your focus. I, I couldn't turn it off. I would come home. I'd hate my corporate job being there nine to five and I'd come home and continue to think about it. I'd go to sleep thinking about it and I'd wake up thinking about it. Yeah, it's um, not normal. It's not- as much as I hated it because it was just like my means of survival and took up the bulk of my time for whatever reason, my brain just like latched on. and was like, this is what you need to be focusing on all the time. Yeah. Uh, to the point of just yeah, pure misery and making myself physically ill, just losing tons of weight and being on edge all the time. So it's hard to want to, uh, even though there's potential money there, it's hard to want to step back in that direction. And I don't. I don't want yeah. to. <laughs> you said you lost your job. Did you leave the job? Because I know you left. Did, I, I was under the impression you left the job to open or start. You don't open a label, do you? <laughs> uh, partially true. I, I, I was given a little bit of a, you know, 
then they opened the door for me. <laughs> We're like, here's the way out. <laughs> How'd that feel? Um, I, Were you like relieved? Within the first five minutes, it was instant relief. It was like, I, I probably would have never left that gig just because it was, it was cush. It was good money. I knew what I was doing, but I think ever it was just becoming evident to everyone there that I was miserable and there was a, you know, major overhaul in management, um, who I didn't get along with and we didn't see eye to eye. So it was for, I think the best of everyone, but yeah, it was just instant major relief. Like, Oh my God, I'm free. You know, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the handcuffs are off and the future is wide open. And then I was like, I'll take a little bit of time off to kind of become human again and collect my thoughts and uh, then COVID hit and it was like, shit, well, now the job market's going to be very difficult. So I really leaned into perpetual doom. Um, and over the course of quarantine, perpetual doom did really, really well. It's been a little bit more inconsistent now that people aren't stuck home, bored and looking to spend money. Um, but the support's still there. We still have a really strong fan base and I'm determined to grow this, whether I'm bagging groceries or, you know, back in a corporate job, I'm, I'm not letting go of perpetual doom. When you had, it, you started it when you were at this job or when I was like interested when this, cause to me to start a label sounds great. I would love, but I'm like, that just seems like such a daunting task. Like how the fuck do you even start that? It started in 2014 with me and some buddies just making some, and then my wife making just really offbeat, like, uh, sketch comedy videos and stuff. And then being a huge fan of little wings, Kyle field, I reached out to him and was like, I was working on this documentary called space happy with my wife and some friends, space happy, Phil Thomas cat and the uncharted zone, um, about Phil Thomas cat, Mark Gormley, Ken Manning, these real, like, eccentric characters in Pensacola, Florida, making like these super low budget music videos and music for the better course of, you know, three decades. We were making this documentary under the uh, perpetual doom name. Um, and I wanted, and as we were progressing with this documentary, I knew I wanted some of my favorite indie artists to contribute covers of these songs so one of the very first people I reached out to was Kyle and he could not have been any sweeter. He was into the idea. He did a cover of the song little wings by Mark, Mark Gormley. Um, which is like a, a, one of the very first YouTube viral videos, the Mark Gormley video, uh, original video. Um, so Kyle did a cover of that. We continued our conversation. He had a new album coming out and I was just like, I'd love to make a music video for it. Um, and we did, we wound up, you know, going out to uh, California filming a little live session and making a, uh, a video for the song. Why me, um, off the album people. And at that point I was like, well, now we kind of dipped our feet into the music world and it feels right. Um, let's kind of lean into this as well. And we wound up lining up some gigs with like Carl Blau, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, and then Kyle led us to Lee Baggett, who you've also had on the show. And uh, organically it started becoming like music releases as well, like cassette tapes and vinyl. And 
it just all fell into place. But the, the name Perpetual Doom has been around since uh, 2014, and we've been doing just different creative endeavors and planning to continue it, trying to make another film, trying to figure out what that is exactly. And we have a, a really healthy lineup of new music releases coming out over the course of uh, the remainder of this year. Yeah, I noticed a few months ago you or maybe it was more you because I have no concept of time. <laughs> uh, the same. <laughs> it's all one big blur. But you were like, I think I'm going to slow down on some of the releases. And then I, I haven't noticed anything slowing down at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm not good at it. <laughs> uh, um, I was c- curious. Wh- why, wait, wait, why, why are you not good at it? Like you just can't, you're like obsessive or something. Oh, 100%. Yes. Yeah. I am obsessive, <laughs> but I really am. I'm trying to like fine tune it, not take on too much. Cause I really want to give proper focus to the releases. But, um, I think for a short span of time, I was really, I know what rejection is like. I know how hard it is to be an artist and, and, and want to find a home for your work and get recognition. It was really difficult to, for me to say, uh, no to, to projects, especially if I thought they were like really good. Um, wow. That would, yeah. Yeah. So now I feel like we have a tight roster. There's a certain number of them. I really want to put focus on. I, I, I still will entertain new albums and new artists, but, uh, I don't want it to be too much to consume, which is, is an issue in this world, just over consumption. I don't need to be contributing to it. <laughs> <laughs> How has, has there been anybody you've said no to that you regret? Um, besides Led Zeppelin, besides that Led Zeppelin reunion, I wasn't wasn't too regretful of them. (laughs) Everyone knows they didn't write a lot of their own music. You know, what's interesting is I've had some conversations with younger people on the podcast, like younger artists in their twenties. They don't get, no one like that generation doesn't give a fuck about Led Zeppelin. Whereas my generation is like, if I shit talk Led Zeppelin, they, their heads explode. But, yeah. But I think I've had the, those conversations. The, the younger generation is more like, they're like, yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> Which I'm is also, great. I also think the younger generation is like, who? Who? Led what? Yeah, <laughs> what they get that? a little, which is okay. Like, it, and also, like, they embrace the music, like, that a lot of the people in my generation were like, ah, oh, fuck, like, they got too big or whatever. Like, uh, the band At was like, the, the woman was, like, nuts about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And she's like, they love what they do. Like, it doesn't matter if it's good or not. They love what they do, and they're being earnest about it. And I was like, what a yeah. refreshing fucking take, because Gen X is all like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, and I fell into that camp at one point. But now I'm just like, if there's if you're, if you're earnest about it, you know, who gives a shit? And I've embraced music that, you know, my 15, 20 year old self would have just shunned and stuck my nose out bad and just like made fun of. Now I'm like listening to some of that shit. I, there's nothing like off the table. It's refreshing. Um, it's refreshing to get rid of that attitude and like revisit totally. stuff and learn like, Oh, I was wrong. I was a dick. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I felt cool over the weekend. I uh, got together with family for uh, just an Easter celebration and my, uh, Two young nieces were there and they were talking about the new Miley album and me, you know, being in my forties chimed in and was like, yeah, this song, you know, blah, blah, blah off the album. And I I felt like kind of hip, but also like, 
I'm that guy, that 40 year old talking like, oh yeah, Miley Cyrus and her album, you know? <laughs> I don't know her music and I've actually meant to, but everyone I know who, whose opinion I respect is like that she's fucking great and she can fucking, she sing. is fucking great. She's super talented. And I think just for whatever reason, because of her Disney affiliation, people write her off. But I mean, she's got chops. She's she can she can fucking sing. She can belt it out. I Different th- styles or cover songs are amazing. I'm a fan. Yeah, I think because I've done a lot of analyzing of Elvis Presley lately. And I think if you f- associate with the establishment a little bit, which would be Disney or in Elvis's case, having been in the army and maybe been that that it becomes that people become judgmental because they see you as part of the establishment when Presley was not. And I am fascinated by the fact that he always is labeled with cultural appropriation when he was also very country. I know I'm going on a tangent here, but, but also like we were saying like Led Zeppelin's like cultural appropriation, Led Zeppelin fucking stole songs word for word, note for note, word for word. Yeah. That's worse than anything f- then a hip shake one has has copped from <laughs> called like that's way worse. And then I, I, I don't think credited the original artist or gave them a proper day. They, yeah. There was a lawyer who sued, who made a quite a decent living just suing on the behalf of old blues dudes because uh, uh, not just Zeppelin but some others, but a lot of Zeppelin. <laughs> that sounds like a movie there. <laughs> Making a good movie. That's a good. That's a good call there. That's a good call. Yeah, you might want to jot that down. <laughs> or you jot it down. We jot it. We yeah, just jotted we'll, it down. We'll work on, the... on that together. <laughs> <laughs> so, did, so the uh, label becoming just an organic thing, and then it, did it snowball or not? Or how, what, how did that take off? Because I'm trying to think of, I must have come across you pretty early in the, in the process, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you definitely did. And you were a, a, a very early supporter, too, which I appreciate. Um I guess I gotta, I gotta give credit to Kyle. I mean, you know, he definitely brought along his audience and having Kyle on the label, I think made other artists feel like there was some legitimacy there. Um, Ryan Samble reached out very early on, uh, mainly because I think he thought the name of the label just sounded cool. (laughs) So that worked. Um, and we get along great, you know, we talk here and there. Um, and then, you know, working with Carl Blau early on, just scoring some of like these, uh, these, these really respectable indie artists who have a built-in following open the doors to a fan base and just other cool artists. And, uh, I get demos sent to me on a daily basis. I apologize to anyone out there who's listening, who may have sent a demo that I haven't listened to. It's like near impossible to keep up with them all let alone the emails that, you know, I really, really do need to be responding to. Um, and like you, Matt, I'm a father to a, a two and a half year old and uh, just scraping by. So it's, it's hard for me to keep up with all the demo submissions is what I'm getting at. Yeah. This is my, uh, my public apology for not <laughs> responding to everyone. <laughs> I get like an onslaught of emails from people who want to be on the podcast, be it HR people or, or PR people or direct, direct from artists and i like there's days where i open up the mailbox for the podcast and i'm just like i'm like i can't even i can't even think about this 
<laughs> yeah. I w- and like, but sometimes, like, I will check out some dude liked a thing on mine, liked a Twitter a tweet of mine and I looked at, I was like, who's this dude? And it's phone it phones with phones with cords is the name of his band. And I went and checked it out and I was like, this is really fucking good. So I'm interviewing oh, him yeah. Sunday. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, no. And I definitely try to listen to it. And even if it's like time has gone by and I'm just rousing, trying to clean up my inbox. If there's something that really catches my eye, I'll listen to it. You- um, a new band out of Brooklyn uh, that I really love and hope to work with, with in some capacity is a band called Diamond Grinder. Um, just really just polished, full sound, and they're just, they're on their fucking game. It's going to be their debut album, but man, it sounds like they've been just doing this forever. Uh, so psyched about them. Diamond Grinder. <laughs> I can't wait to check that out. Do you, do you think of in terms when you sign somebody, the, the, your, I hate this fucking word, but the brand, the thing that is perpetual doom, do you have like a, or do you just go by, this is what I love. This speaks to me. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can work with this. I think I have to find a healthy compromise with that. Cause I think more so it's, it's me saying, this is what I like. I like so many genres of music. My, my taste is super eclectic from um, obscure to just, you know, mainstream radio, Um, so usually it's just like, I dig this, I like it and I'd love to be involved with it. I think I have to try and and that hasn't always worked that approach. I think I have to try and fine tune it a little bit. So there's more of an overlap and so that the audience can trust a bit more that, you know, they're more than likely going to like this release if they like that other release. I don't necessarily like that mindset because I, I want to expand minds and I want people to go outside of their comfort zones. So it's trying to find a happy medium and I haven't been able to do that yet. Yeah. See, I, I'm, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think I'm typical, so I don't, but not a gauge, but can you hear my dog? Barely. Okay. Uh, but, but like, I trust what, I think your taste in music is excellent. And like what you like, even if it sometimes doesn't click immediately, I will give it a chance because I'm like, well, Lou likes it. So I should really delve into this. <laughs> well, fuck right. If the audience would listen to that advice. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm willing to like, like with Sam Ball and the strange boys, like, and I forget, yeah. I think it was Tim Presley who told me that, <clears throat> you know, they would jump every album to in a different direction and their fans were still wanting some of the like that earlier sound and i was like i'm always willing for the jump like i want the jump like why would you want the same fucking thing over and 100 percent. that's that's my favorite thing about you know my favorite bands the flaming lips and 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 ween they're always fucking with their uh their style of music you never know what you're going to get um and that's what i love and Dylan too, you know, like, like, just like Neil Young, you know, classic musicians. They didn't, it just wasn't always 100% of the time, the same old shit. Like you want variety. You want to hear them try in different things. And even when they fail, like, that's interesting. I love it. I love bad albums. I do too. I, and like, and I was going to, I was going to set this up with a pre thing, but like I read Bono's memoir and like I didn't you when you go back and like put it in the context of what was going on in the era they really were fucking with some shit like like when they did 
uh, fuck, Octoon Baby, like that was the height of grunge, and they did something so fucking off to the side and so yeah. drastically different than the Joshua Tree that it, I was like, wow, these guys really did actually. Like, I think they're another one that got so big that people are like, fuck them and fuck Bono. But I'm like, they actually really pushed shit. Do you, totally. not, like, do you not like um, you uh, <laughs> no, I don't not like them. I just they're they're definitely not like a go to band to me. It's 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 someone whose discography I need to explore, and that will happen. That happens a lot with me. I'll like for whatever reason it'll be a band I haven't listened to in a decade or two, or I just never listened to, and I'm like, eh, I think I'm just gonna start listening to all their shit. I did it with Jerry Jeff Walker, Buck Owens, you know Merle Haggard. I listen to Guns and Roses, you know, just really? less obvious songs lately. Yeah. Um, I think it all. U2 is sort of like, it's so omnipresent that it's hard to be like, it just, it becomes, it's been always there for most of my life that it's just like, it becomes a thing where you're like, oh, that's, it's like just sound that goes on and like, <laughs> like totally. birds chirping or something. It's just like, it's, you take it for granted, I think. And that's what the Beach Boys were for me for a while. I grew up and I would see the Beach Boys songs and sun-kissed ads so it meant nothing to me and then i had to go and listen to it and be like okay i gotta see why everyone's crazy about this band because all i know is commercial jingles (laughs) yeah yeah beach boys gets a lot of play here it's fun with my my son having a two and a half year old i just like exposing him to everything yeah Um, and it's working he's way into music and dancing and he he has his request he'll be like i want a rocking out song and he'll start like head banging that's (laughs) Um, awesome yeah, yeah. So it's that's fun. A lot of my days is spent dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Going and, and speaking in regards to the Beach Boys again, and good and bad music, like you know, not all, some of their stuff is really just like jingles and kind of annoying. But there's something <laughs> there's sometimes there's sometimes you're in the mood for that shit. And, that's, yeah. Uh, at the holidays, I don't want to speak badly of any band, but like some of the remaining beach boys appeared on like a morning show in like the Midwest or some shit. And they played like, uh, what's their, their Christmas song. Oh, I don't, yeah. Santa. I don't know. Something with Santa they probably. Have, <laughs> yeah. They have, they have a Christmas and they performed it and it was, uh, it was kind of cringe, but I, I, I returned to it multiple times. I've watched it, you know, like four or five times for whatever reason. Mike, um, Mike Love is just like, it's like, what happened, dude? What happened? He'll be, he'll be going and he'll die on stage. Oh, good. Let's yeah. hope soon. <laughs> That's my prediction. <laughs> He's never going to stop. <laughs> uh, I want to go back to the, cause did you, you were saying you would shot the Kyle field video and stuff. I was like, when did you start shooting stuff? And were you self-taught in that hole? Did you just like start shooting and teach yourself how to do all this shit? I mean, I've always had an interest in filmmaking. I, I worked in video stores for a long time when I was young. Um, had like, you know, VHS cameras and just cheap cameras and shit. We would make bad home movies with my friends. We had our own wrestling league that we would film. <laughs> um, and the bulk of that was just interviews and improv and just acting like a bunch of morons. <laughs> but it was fun. Um, and I think I had missed it not doing it for years and started dabbling again with some friends, complete amateur, uh, which I'm fine with. Um, so yeah, we started making these short films. My wife and I made this little short called say you want to dance. 
where uh, it was just a couple having an argument with each other, but all of the lyrics, I mean, all of the words in sequential order were the lyrics to Whitney Houston's uh, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Uh, this really just like intense, near violent argument. And, and that from that, it just springboarded into making other weird videos. And then we were like, we should try dabbling in music videos. And uh, for the most part, I've been happy with the results. Yeah, <laughs> but your still videos learning. are great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. The, is it the Lee Baggett? Is it a Lee Baggett video with the old guy at the birthday party by himself? I can't. Uh, Austin Leonard Jones. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh, that video is great. Guy, thank you. I love it too. Um, the guy who stars in that video uh, is a, uh, he's appeared in some trauma movies, but also movies. He, he's always had like these little bit parts in, in some classic films as well. I want to say he was like in like a Francis Ford Coppola movie. And then he was in like Troma's Sergeant Kabuki man years later. So an eclectic resume. He's got a, he's got such a great face. <laughs> Bill Whedon. That's his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he look- does. And that, that was the goal when making that video was let's, let's really, you know, focus on his facial expressions and his mannerisms. Um, Cause that's what he's got going for him. Yeah. Boy, like every time we mention somebody from your roster, it's just, it's, it's nothing but great songwriters. Like there's no clunkers in the bunch. That's, that's definitely important to me. Lyrics in, in songs or, you know, I, I went through like a poetry phase and, you know, growing up on music, I always was, I always valued good songwriting. So I think, you know, for the most part, uh, the lyrics of our artists are really considerably strong we just put out a, a, a lyrics book uh, collecting Ryan Samble's lyrics from 2011 to 2022. Yesterday we announced it. It's on sale in the store. Uh, not to not to plug an item, but no, know. no, you should plug an item because then I was going to bring it up anyway <laughs> because I'm a big Samble fan, and that's uh, I want to get that because his he's a great like I, his lyrics are great. I'll get you a copy. No, I want to pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The rest of the remainder of the year, though, I'm super psyched. We got, um, so, so kind of all in the same wheelhouse. These guys are all, uh, they've played together in some form, but we've, and, and none of these, I think none of these have been officially announced, but we got a new album from Graves, uh, who is Greg Olin. And he's kind of, uh, performing it as a character named Gary Owens. So we're really going to confuse people with that release, but a new album from Graves, we have a new album from artist named Indiana Hale, um, who is, you know, buddies with uh, these guys. A new, a brand new, two new albums from Lee Baggett this year. One's a collaborative album that's coming out on cassette and then just a, a proper follow-up to his album anyway. Uh, wow, he's really cranking the stuff out. He's days. cranking it out, but but I this new album that's coming out, hopefully at the end of this year, I legit think is like his strongest work to date like it it blew my mind when i heard it i was like holy shit like this this is the one people need to fucking listen to like this is That's, wow he's like i listen to his songs and i'm like this dude like people should be covering him like they're great like anybody could cover him and do a different ish version of them and sort of like they did with tom waits where it's like it sounds like this but we'll do this <laughs> 
that's Not a good idea. Acquaint- maybe that's something we'll do. Not this year, but maybe in the next year or something. Maybe we'll do like a Lee Baggett covers album because that's a great idea. Because like he, those some of those songs could be like Sinatra ballads or turned into something yeah. like that. Like they they could be. They're so well written and so. I don't know. I, I I don't even know if I can articulate how great some of his stuff is. And then if it, if if timing works before the end of the year or very early next year, we'll have a new Little Wings album as well. Um, and again, this one it, it blew me away. Super strong, different from anything Kyle has done before. So and there's other stuff peppered in there, um, but yeah, just a super strong release calendar for the remainder of the year that I'm I'm really excited about, and that feels good. Do you think you have any inspiration on, because you said like Lee Baggett's album, Kyle's album, they jump into these new directions for them and they're really great. Do you think that perhaps your label offers some sort of freedom or where they don't have to, con- I don't do you inspire this, you think, to some degree? Uh, I don't know that I could take credit for that. <laughs> I, I, I definitely don't put any like uh restrictions on them I'm, like be as weird or eclectic as you want and do your thing and you know if people get it they get it if they don't they don't i'm I've, I've just i'm such a fan that i support whatever they do yeah um other ways i might inspire them is uh when we do talk sometimes just uh, unloading my misery onto them i don't know if that <laughs> has any influence <laughs> or kyle <laughs> Kyle was another one. Been a bit of a mentor for a while. (laughs) He's such a great dude, and uh, and seeing him live, like I think I texted you this afterwards. Once you see like him live, and you see the span of all his, the years of his music put into one night, you're like, holy fuck, this dude! Like it's just mind blowing. It's effortless too. Yeah. Right. It's like there's like zero. It's just, it's flawless and effortless. It's just, it just comes across so natural and he's just in his element and he's fucking damn good at it. Um, excuse all the cursing in this interview. I don't know if that's the norm. <laughs> I, I got a foul mouth. My kids, I, I, I'm amazed my kids are, don't swear. Though my daughter, wants, my youngest has said fuck, dropped fuck a couple times, but I'm like, I don't care. My boy is usually, uh, there was like a week where he was throwing it around and we just didn't acknowledge it. And yeah, luckily, don't acknowledge uh, it. That's exactly what we did. I don't know where, he probably heard it in a song or something, um, but he was using it correctly. <laughs> like he was, he was like struggling with a toy and he was like, fucking thing. Like, <laughs> oh, they get it from me. There's no doubt. <laughs> and, the, and the partner wife person. Yeah, he gets come on from me. We get a lot of come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it, I... I just don't want them to have my uh, anxiety and trauma. That's all. Um, but my daughter went to a new school yesterday and Same. was like confident and like, like was just like, yeah. Like, and I was projecting all my like, oh, she's going to get picked on and they're going to make fun of her. And she's just like fucking strolled, strolled through the whole thing. So, yeah. No, no fear. Just <laughs> confident. Yeah. So I'm like, at least I'm doing something right. I think. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you get the credit for that. <laughs> no, no, that's great. <laughs> no, that's true. I wanted to, now you mentioned the film. I don't want to go back to the film because I did not want to ask you in text or, uh, cause we text a decent amount. Uh, uh, cause I don't know what happened with the film and slam dance and what, uh, so, but it was a big deal that you got into slam dance for your film. I was shocked. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the film Space Happy, Phil Thomas Cat and the Uncharted Zone. I submitted to two festivals with zero expectations, one of which was Slam Dance. And uh miraculously they accepted it and uh it went over really well. The audience we had a decent turnout for both screenings and the audience just gushed over it. Um it heaped tons of praise on it, which I can't tell you how nice that felt just to to be complimented on something we had been working on for six years. Six fucking um, years. Yeah, working on it for six years. Wow. Multiple trips to Florida and just weeding through just like a treasure trove of uh old footage, footage dating back to like the seventies. Um yeah, so that went really well. And uh maybe in response to the fact that it played in, in Slam Dance, it's been getting accepted into some other really cool festivals. I was late in the game and submitting to them, but uh, I'm starting to hear back some really great responses. So it's playing um, very soon. Might have played at the time this airs. It will have played at the time this airs at the Florida Film Festival. Um, It's playing at the Chattanooga Film Festival. There's a music festival it's going to be playing at that I I don't know that I should announce yet. And then there's there's more on the horizon. Um, what is all this going to do in the long run? I, to be determined, I'm, I'm finding out, which I probably should have known that there's zero, like very little to zero money to be made in documentary filmmaking. Um, but if I can somehow find a way to fund another one, the, the whole team wants to do another documentary of some sort. Why the fuck? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like, why don't documentaries make money? Like, in the theater? Or, like, doesn't HBO or some motherfucker buy these things? Yeah, but I think they're looking for stuff on a much grander scale um, than what what we've done. Not to say that they wouldn't like it, but is is, is there an easy way for them to sell it and find a mass audience? Um, And I don't know. Um, I don't know that anything perpetual doom does is necessarily for a mass audience. So, so I can, I can, I can understand, but it, it sucks at the same time too. You know, I want, I want to get it in front of people and I think that will happen, but it just might happen more. Maybe, maybe it'll wind up on like Tubi where people can see it for free, which great. But would I rather be on HBO? Of course. <laughs> yeah. But you never know where these things lead. Like you just, I mean, I've seen, for my many years of being in this shit, like I've just seen random things happen for people because they did A, B, and C, and then they're like, I got this job or whatever. It's just, yeah. and it's better to just to do what you, I don't know, go from your heart, right? For sure, 100%. And I think that's that's really at the core of this film, like the message in the film. Um, and, and it's taught me some shit too, working alongside Phil Thomas Cat. Uh, it's a dude who, again, for 30, 40 years has just been doing what he's doing, making music and making music videos with no budget, um, is sometimes getting critical feedback that is not necessarily polite or positive <laughs> and not giving a shit at all. Um, and not even not giving a shit, sometimes just completely just erasing it from like, like not even acknowledging that it's out there. Just like, I don't care. I'm just doing my thing and I've been doing it this long and I'm going to continue doing it. No one's stopping me. And I, I, I can appreciate that artistic approach. Yeah. I mean, isn't, 
it's taken me years to figure that out. <laughs> I haven't figured it out. I'm so fearful to do anything new because I just don't want to look like a buffoon or, or, or make something bad. Um, so my own fears and anxieties, oftentimes I feel like prevent me from making the progress that I should be making. And I'm, and that's something I'm, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, battling with, uh, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll get past it. Right, Matt? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a big reason I left LA. I was just like, fuck these people just like waiting for somebody to give, say, yes, do that. Yes, you can do that. It's like, why am I waiting for you? Who the fuck are you? 100%. And that was the thing with perpetual doom from the, from the onset it was like, we're not going to wait. We're just going to make our shit. We're going to have fun. And, uh, I guess as things have progressed and more eyes have gotten on our stuff at times, it does make it a little difficult to follow that model. Um, but also it, it ties into, to, to mental health as well. Um, and I, I gotta, I gotta overcome that. I, I, I gotta use Phil as a model and just, you know, get back to the Lou that just doesn't give a shit. I'm going to make what I want to make when I want to make it. And, you know, whether you like it or not, you know, great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still, I think that's the struggle of any creative is you sure. want an audience. You want somebody, but, and I like, I feel like for both of us, there's audiences out there. It's just a matter of finding them through all this muck now. Cause there's a lot of muck. Yeah. And you don't want it to come across too try hard either. Um, <laughs> maybe that's the Gen X in me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to keep, seem desperate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When perpetual doom is at its best, what is happening for you? What is, what are the best things f for you? Like, you're like, yeah, I'm fucking doing it. I think when it's, uh, when it's different moving pieces, when I feel like I'm able to, incorporate my own creative mind into it, whether that means, you know, making music videos for some of these albums, um, making just little weird oddball creative videos to put out on Instagram. Um, but more so I think when it's, when it's artists, I really feel like a, a kinship with and a friendship with like, like a, a Kyle or a Lee Baggett, um, to be working together on trying to get their work out there because I feel so strongly about it. And I really like these guys that's super rewarding. And then at the same time, being able to step away from that and step into my own creative project. Like when I had the documentary going, that felt really good for the bulk of the time. So I think it's just now a matter of finding what that next project is going to be and uh, being able to immerse myself in it. And at the same time, keep perpetual doom going and growing. Do you, because I know you were doing some fundraising to keep it going. Are you, where are you with that? Are you, are you still in fear of, of not being able to keep perpetual doom going? Financially, it's a, it's a constant fear. Uh, I wanted to, to continue being able to like fund new projects and fund projects for existing artists, but um, it is, it's a constant struggle. And we have this thing called the Doom Preservation Society that basically you pay like a, a, an annual fee and you get some really cool curated selections and some special edition music. Um, 
the goal with that was to like reach a hundred subscribers. I'll, I'll say, and maybe we're at like 40% of our goal. Um, so it's ongoing. I'll always find a way to keep perpetual doom operating. It just, maybe it won't always be, maybe the output won't always be as much as I'd like it to be. I might have to just turn down more projects and scale back at certain moments. But, um, but we do have some plans in, in place to, uh, for at least another year with projects and to keep things operating. Um, but that's one of my least favorite aspects of, of running my own business and running this label is, is putting out these call to actions for fans to, you know, sign up for this or join us on Patreon or here's a sale. Why don't you buy some shit this weekend? Like, I don't like, I don't like that. That doesn't make me feel good. It's a necessary evil, but it's my least favorite part. Yeah, but as a f- person on the other side, I, I and who's I guess done similar to you with this thing that we're doing, <laughs> like I, it's, ne- it's necessary. It's necessary. I'm definitely not good at it. I'm constantly like going, "How can I be better at this?" And then I'm like, mm-hmm. "I have other things to think about." Worked out. Yeah, but like as I'm on both sides of this with you, I think like as a fan of your label, I'm like, I want to, and I think the other fans want to support, like they don't mind you asking because they're like, fuck. Yeah. I don't want, I want perpetual doom to stay around. That's how I feel. You're a truly independent label and a truly great label. And then like, we need more handsome blues in the world. Well, thank you. There's only one handsome Lou. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I agree. I agree. And there, and there's been labels that I've, you know, adored who have also put out little call to actions. And I've, you know, in the past when I was younger and maybe had a little bit more money, definitely supported more than I'm able to now. So I get it. And I have so many fans who respond positively to it and say, you know, hang in there and keep up the good work. And, you know, that's definitely meaningful. I appreciate it. Yeah. How many, how many years since Kyle's like, it's been like two, three years since like you really started focusing on music. Uh, I'd say it was like 2019, like mid 2019, we started focusing on music, really shifted to really shifted to music in 2020 when COVID started and quarantine was taking place. And we knew we weren't going to be able to film music videos. And we had some really cool shit lined up with some really cool artists that unfortunately all fell through. Um, but it is what it is. Yeah. You early on, you mentioned that you were living in a place that was your happy place. Where was that? Was it- the birthplace of the band Ween, uh, New Hope, Pennsylvania. And uh, we're currently having talks, my wife and I, about trying to get back there. So that's the goal, uh, hopefully before the end of the year. It's just more, it's it's just not a city. It's more rural and, and, and a bit suburban, um, a little touristy. But it's got it all. Lots of green and nature, which I love. And I think it, it does me good mentally. You just described St. Paul, Minneapolis. I'm just going to say there, Lou. I'm going to come visit. I, eventually, I'm going to come visit. It's great. I've always wanted to go. I'm I'm enjoying it. Like, I mean, I know I've only been here a week, but like just the vibe, like everything, it's, it's just like, I feel such a less fucking, like in LA, it's just like this pounding every fucking second is 
showbiz or just or I should be doing this or maybe my shoes aren't cool. <laughs> it's like <laughs> No, I get it. Here in, in, in the area, we're in Park Slope uh area of Brooklyn. It's a nice area, but it's just constantly fucking moving. I feel like you're net like I'm never fast enough. I feel like you go into a grocery store, the aisles are small and like you for whatever reason it's like it's just everything feels rushed. Like I need to quickly grab what I need to get and I need to get out of here. And then, and then on to whatever the next thing is. And then I walk the streets and this is not a knock at Brooklyn, but again, I think we live in a, a fairly nice area, but the streets are just lined with dog shit. No one picks up their dog shit. So it's so much to the point that my, my, my two and a half year old who is currently obsessed with poop call like points it out and recognizes it. He's like, there's poop, there's poop, there's poop. So that's the majority of our walks is him just identifying different mounds of, of dog excrement. Um, it's pretty <laughs> awful. Our neighborhood yeah. is very quiet. Like I'm like, I go outside and I'm like, there's like a variety of birds chirping and I'm like, it's quiet. And I'm like, and then we just go over the bridge and we're like in in some shit, and like we're in a city yeah. with restaurants and stores and sh- shit, and it's just like. I'm so, like, that being said, have you found places you like to eat, or do you have any favorite places already? Uh, we've only hit a couple, a few places, but uh, and you know, it's all been burger centric because my kids are bur- But like, I want to hit like. Uh, why do I, I'm like I'm blanking? I'm totally blanking on where we've eaten. But like we went to a pizza place that was good, but there was too much cheese. I'm like, what are you fucking too much cheese? You're fucking yeah. ruining it. And everyone's like, that's the pizza place. And then I was like, this is not the pizza place. But I've heard there's good yeah. pizza. You'll find it. That's the that's the beauty of I think living in a new area is exploring the food options. For me, that's always what I, I one of the things I most look forward to. I love I love being in a new city. Like I love I, I walk by the fucking Mississippi every morning. Like I walk my dog yeah, and it's like I go over the bridge or next to the river and it's just like it's just weird and beautiful. But uh is your dog happy in this new location? He is. He there was it there was snow here when we got here so he went batshit for that and I thought he was going to hate it but he went like crazy just like running yeah. diving in it and it was like a, so I was like oh, okay he's going to be okay. His first time seeing it? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't have dogs, do you? Two cats. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. <laughs> Two cats. <laughs> do you know, documentary-wise, what you're looking to do next? Do you uh, have, like, an inclination of, like, the direction? Or, or do you have specific subjects that you're poking around? No, it's kind of... Uh... It's kind of wide open. I've definitely have been exploring some subjects. Naturally, I gravitate to stuff that's usually a little bit like offbeat and oddball. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, some eccentric characters, but also something that is uh, that would hopefully land in like the feel good vibe. Um, I think if I'm going to spend so much time again working with working on a documentary and working with these subjects, it's something that I want to uh, enjoy being immersed in um, maybe make, you know, the rest of the team working on the film a little bit uncomfortable. That's always fun. <laughs> um, and be entertained and really like enjoy getting to know the people that we're working with. 
but yeah, definitely have it be eccentric. You know, one thing uh, I'll share this with you because, you know, maybe randomly someone will hear it and know something. And this is super, super uh, left of center and and maybe way too like micro niche. But uh, there was this Nickelodeon show in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and, and two of the stars just started the podcast, but the name of the show was called Hey Dude. Uh, it was, it was about a dude ranch and it ran for like five seasons on Nickelodeon. Um, and with the resurgence of, you know, eighties and nineties pop culture and all this stuff, it's, it's having like a newfound love again. One of the main stars on that show, a guy who played the character named Danny, who, who, whose real name is Joe Torres or Jose Torres, um, is MIA and they've done like a few reunions, the, the original cast and no one knows where he is. Um, and I just, it, I, I think there's something there just, uh, in the world of social media and trying to remain anonymous. I think there's an interesting story to tell if, if we can find his whereabouts, um, and I think it, it, the story goes beyond just fans of this show and just fans of Nickelodeon. I think there's a bigger picture story. So that's something that interests me. And in a very, very uh, similar uh, vibe, there was a guitarist um, whose name is escaping me right now. And I've, I've talked to you about this. One of the early guitarists for Flaming Lips yeah. is considered just like an innovator. He, he would play a guitar and the sound he was emitting was the sound of what, you know, oftentimes would take three guitarists to pull off. He was just doing something brilliant. And he's considered one of, you know, by people in the know, one of the best guitarists of all times. Um, and a very similar story. He's just, he's MIA. No one knows where he is. Um, the flaming lips, to my knowledge, have tried to find him and they haven't. I've done a ton of detective work trying to locate him, you know, with the plans of maybe, you know, this could make for a cool documentary, but, uh, again, zero luck with that. So those are two stories I've explored, but yeah, trying to find the right thing. Uh, hopefully that wasn't too much of a tan tangent. <laughs> no, it's just to me, I'm like in this era to be completely MIA and not is, seems almost fucking impossible, which is right? like, it's, it's baffling. Cause I'm like, well, Somebody would just post like, "Hey, I saw Tony at the market." <laughs> it's like, like it's it's bizarre. Like, how do you stay that far off the fucking grid? I don't know how you. Oh, Ronald Jones is the name of the uh, Flaming Lips guitarist I'm talking about. But yes, I agree. Um, Does he just have enough dough from hidden for so many years? No, I don't know. Neither one of them do. I can say that with confidence. <laughs> Neither one of them would have enough dough that they can just hide. Um, and maybe there's, maybe there's a sad story there I don't know about. Maybe they're trying to stay hidden. Maybe something has happened. I don't know. But um, and I would respect it, whatever it is. But there's something about that hunt and wanting to be the one that you know can can figure out you know where where they are and what the story is now and and kind of tell a little bit of their history and and speak about wanting to remain anonymous. Um, and not, you know, embrace the reunion tour or new or, or rediscover some form of celebrity, which is so popular. I'm really interested in that. Yeah. Um, 
So I think I read an article by Robin Hitchcock where he went and tried to find uh, Sid Barrett and was like, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, and maybe that's it. Maybe that's the end of the story. Maybe it's like, but well, we shouldn't have done that. Maybe we didn't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, 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 I can't recall the details, but I feel like it was sort of like, just let Sid Barrett be a mystery. But he was more, Sid Barrett's more of a mystery. Like that was a common, like, myth there was a big myth to what the fuck happened i don't know maybe these other guys have myths about them now but like barrett was such a mystery i could say for the flaming lips guitarist it's a similar myth to barrett you know the the, the story with barrett whether it's true or not and, and and the story i've heard with ronald jones the flaming lips guitarist jive in the fact that like Barrett was supposedly living at home with his mom didn't leave the house had mental issues and either barely picked up the guitar and never touched the guitar or just had like a treasure trove of recordings that I've gone on released. Uh, and who knows, maybe one day we'll hear those or maybe they don't exist. Yeah. I think maybe that's what Hitchcock went into with Barrett too, is like he did have some shots at like, tr he tried to make some music post and it was just like, yeah, we shouldn't listen to this. <laughs> like it's, I guess maybe, but maybe that was at the time. Now, maybe if you play it now in, you know, 2023, you're like, oh shit, this was so ahead of the curve. Like some of the stuff Bowie was doing at the time, people were like, what is this garbage? And now you listen to it and you're like, wow, like this dude, you know, was working on a different wavelength. I'm always fascinated by how, like, there must have been a number of people in history who were just like, people were like, no fucking way. And then they probably went, yeah, I guess I suck. And they, you know, and we'll never know, but it's just kind of fascinating that there's probably been all these undiscovered geniuses who will, we'll never know, who would have like altered everything drastically. Ted Lucas is an artist I love. And that was kind of the story with him was just like, he put out this, what now is like this beloved underground album. Um, but when he put it out, it, you know, he sold like five copies, like no one gave a shit. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, and then he was just like, all right, I'm just gonna quietly behind the scenes in my own studio, continue to record my own stuff for fun. No one will ever hear it. And then I'll just be a studio musician. Um, and there's been a, a newfound love in the past decade of his, of that one album that's ever been released. And I've tried to get my hands on some of the recordings. Apparently there's like eight plus albums of unreleased material wow. by this guy. Uh, that's just sitting on a shelf somewhere. I, I'm sure someone is going to find a way to get their hands on it and release it. I've tried, I've heard little tidbits and what I have heard has been amazing. So I really hope some of that stuff sees the light of day. Is there no documentary on him? I've thought about it. And then, it, <laughs> you know, as a learning experience with this one, I'm like, uh, is there something I can do that maybe can find a larger audience um, and has a little bit more mainstream appeal. And I worry that this is just, again, too obscure. Uh, not that I want that to be my driving motivation, but it's it's a factor now. Well, I mean, you know, it's a logical. It's not like a horrible. It's not like you're selling out and being like, I'm making a Whitney Houston documentary. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a family to support and if I'm going to put so much time into it, it would be nice to see a little return. Um, so 
to be determined. <laughs> it's just, it's mine. And I don't know, like I, I like you're, I've seen the documentary and stuff and I'm like, <clears throat> how to me, I'm like, yeah, people should, would would love this like it's a no-brainer i just think it's the problem isn't what you make i think the problem is the motherfuckers who run everything that's how i the like, gatekeepers the gatekeepers i prefer motherfuckers for sure <laughs> <laughs> but like it's just like i mean i've yeah, had I like meetings with people and they're like this is a great idea this is a great script but no we don't make stuff like that and i'm just like why like what sorry i yeah. don't have a superhero in it is how i feel yeah. Yeah. I feel you. And I've, I've seen something that you've shared with me recently. I don't know if I could talk about it, but a project that, uh, you're trying to launch a, a short film you made that could potentially be turned into a series. And, uh, I loved it. I was just like, I would watch more of this and I could totally see it being like an MB. You could take that and it could be like an NBC, like primetime show, you know? And like, so yeah, I, I hope to see you succeed with it, but I know it's the gatekeepers. And how do you get in? How do you get beyond that? And some of the gatekeepers know better. That's the thing that kills me. I'm like, you know, better, you know, this is wrong, but what do you do? And I've, what it, it is what it is with that thing. I, I got to figure out about getting it into festivals or I just might put it on my website and be like, look at this people. Yeah. I've, and I, that's a hard thing for me to compromise too. It's like, do I just give this thing away and just let it, you know, appear on one of these streaming services to make it accessible. But then I no longer, it's no longer truly mine, which hurts a little bit. So I'm trying to figure out what the next step is. One thing that's been a little disheartening is there are just a million fucking platforms uh, for streaming content. It's the ones that we don't even know about. And I've heard from some of them and I, I, I legit think there's ones who have reached out because they saw it played at a festival. They think maybe it has a cool poster or a cool tagline have not watched a single second of it, but they're like, <laughs> this poster would look good on our streaming. Like it would just be one more thing for people to stream past one more piece of original content. They don't even care about what the fuck it is. So, and I, I don't want to just, I don't want to be just handing it off. If that's the person who's taking it, it would be really nice to feel like someone sees some value in it and legitimately likes it. Um, yeah. So it's I all a learning process to me. Uh, for, to wind it up, Handsome Lou, of which I never mentioned that I do call you Handsome Lou. I don't know why that started, but I started it. I That's think it started it wrong. You're looking at me now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny because this is the first time we've actually looked at one another and spoke and actually, and we've been in touch with each other for three years and pr consistently. Yeah. I probably text Easel, you more easily. than I text a lot of the people I've like gone to funerals and weddings with. Oh, I text you with like personal crises that I don't even share with family or super close friends. I'm just like, Matt needs to know that I'm, I'm feeling really down today. <laughs> Lou, I'm always there for you. I'll always do hey, my you best. Are. <laughs> I consider you a good friend, even though this is the first time we <laughs> Same. spoke. Isn't that crazy? Is the way the world works. These it is. Days? It's wild, but it's not, it's, it's very easy, right? <laughs> yeah. So the Ryan, so the Sandball book is out, out, that's out or, or it's, out, it's out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. anything else coming out that you want to plug? Sure. Coming out in the immediate, well, in the, probably the next big release we have coming out is Graves, uh, who is Greg Olin. Um, 
Graves has a project coming coming out called Gary Owens. I have some thoughts, uh, which is all super <laughs> fucking confusing in terms of marketing. <laughs> so Gary Owens, I have some thoughts by Graves is an album. I'm super, super proud to be releasing on the label and we're going to be giving it a, a really good push. Um, and then uh, in the works, we just put the order in for vinyl, Indiana Hale. The name of the album is Yesterday's Glitter. Uh, and if you like, if you like uh, Lee Baggett, if you like uh, Little Wings, this is going to be something you dig. Awesome. I look I'll make sure to get you a copy of that. I look forward to all things uh, Perpetual Doom, always. Thank you. I'm okay. Stop. Never been one for watching.